When the messenger came from Jairus' house with the news that his daughter had died, Jairus could have listened to the messenger and given up. Do we ever give up when the world is telling us that our church is dead? At this moment, you still have a choice. You're at a very important spiritual crossroads. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 210. Today, we're talking about the restoration of Jairus' daughter to life as a metaphor for the revitalization of your church. You're listening to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm so grateful that you're listening today. I appreciate you tuning in. As you're listening to this week's episode, I hope you'll think of somebody you can share it with. I've been thinking and praying a lot about church lately, and I've heard from many of you, my listeners of the Bible Speaks to You podcast from all over the world about some of the struggles your churches are facing. And after the recent episode 206 about legalism in churches, I was really surprised at how many people wrote me telling how their churches are struggling with legalism. And they don't feel like they can say anything to the people who are being legalistic. If you didn't hear that episode, I'll have that link in the show notes. It's episode 206. And legalism is just one of the challenges the church as a whole is facing right now. Lots of churches of many different denominations are trying to navigate a changing world. Some churches are struggling just to keep the doors open because they don't have as many members as they used to. They're not getting many new members, they don't have enough people to fill leadership positions, or they don't have enough money to pay the bills. And sometimes churches have just lost their vision for why they exist. They're just going through the motions. They get bogged down in the mechanics of church activities, procedures, and building maintenance instead of focusing on letting the light of Christ shine in their own lives and then out into the community. And some churches are closing. This really makes me sad. My own church is dealing with some of these issues. What I've realized is it's a time for prayer, obviously, but also listening to see where God will lead you and your church. A couple of weeks ago, when some of these church issues and challenges were really heavy on my heart, I read the story of Jairus asking Jesus to heal his dying daughter. Now, you can read that whole story in Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 41. 
I'm sure you're very familiar with this story, but I'm going to recap it just a bit. And as you listen to this abbreviated telling of the story, I want you to think about this 12-year-old girl and what happened to her as a metaphor for your church and how what Jesus says and does applies to the well-being of your church. Jairus was a leader in a local synagogue. And he came to Jesus and asked him to come heal his 12-year-old daughter who is dying. Well, of course, Jesus agrees. But right at that moment, a lady sneaks up behind Jesus in the crowd and touches the edge of his cloak. She was instantly healed of a 12-year bleeding problem. Jesus stopped to talk to her and assure her that her faith had been what healed her, not just touching his clothes. Well, Jairus is waiting quietly on the sidelines for Jesus to finish with the woman. You don't stop Jesus when he's healing somebody. But I can just imagine how anxious he is for Jesus to come a little more quickly to his home. Well, just as Jesus is ready to proceed to Jairus' house, a messenger comes with the bad news that the little girl is dead, so there's no need to bother Jesus anymore. There was no expectation on anyone's part that Jesus could help the situation after she died. But that's not the way Jesus saw things. He told Jairus to have faith and everything would be okay. Can you hear Christ saying that to your church? Now imagine how Jairus might have felt as he walked back to his house with Jesus at his side. He probably felt all kinds of emotions, ranging from total despair to maybe a glimmer of hope. But think of how Jesus was probably walking with authority and assurance. I think that must have given Jairus a huge reason for hope. Well, when they get to Jairus' house, Jesus tells the mourners that the little girl isn't dead. He saw and understood something they did not. He goes to the little girl's bed and calls her back to life. And don't forget his attention to the little detail of telling someone to get her something to eat. Jesus was not just a great spiritual teacher, preacher, and healer. He was also practical and never ignored someone's everyday needs. So, in hearing this story again, in light of the challenges your church is facing, do you see some parallels? The more I look at this story, the more I see that applies to our churches. Have you ever had one of those come-to-Jesus moments when you felt like your church was dying? You've tried everything you can to prevent it, but the situation just keeps getting worse, and you finally realize you need help, you can't do it all by yourselves. We usually try all kinds of things to solve the problem with a temporary band-aid. Maybe if we just get new carpet better music, or have more programs, everything will be okay. But none of those things are real solutions. They're sometimes actually decoys. In desperation, after we finally realize nothing we've tried has helped, it's time to come humbly to Christ on our knees, asking for help. When you get to this point of realization that you can't do anything else, that you personally or collectively of a church don't have the answer, this is actually a holy moment. It's when the human heart 
begins to yield to Christ. And we need to do this together as a church body. Here's the question we need to ask. Do your members trust Christ as much as Jairus did to heal your church, show you the way out of the problem, and bring life to your church? And sometimes right when we finally get to this point of complete surrender, and we've prayed with all our hearts for Christ's direction, and we feel a little hope peeking through the darkness, some emergency pops up, like the lady touching Jesus' cloak, which prevented Jesus from getting to Jairus' house sooner. And these things just get in the way. They're like a distraction and even a postponement of what we thought was an answered prayer. And once again, our hopes are dashed. And right about that point, someone says, Our church is dead. There's nothing else we can do. There's no point of even praying about it anymore. It's over. When the messenger came from Jairus' house with the news that his daughter had died, Jairus could have listened to the messenger and given up. Do we ever do that when the world is telling us our church has died? But it's at this moment you still have a choice. You're at a very important spiritual crossroads. You can accept the outward appearance of things, or you can listen to what Christ is telling you, just like Jairus did. But we usually don't get things right when we judge by the outward appearance of things. Even Samuel the prophet made this mistake at times. God told him to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the new king of Israel, and when Samuel saw Eliab, the oldest son, he was sure this would be the new king. But God said no. In fact, God rebuked Samuel and reminded him, this is 1 Samuel 16, 7, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance, referring to Eliab, or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look on the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Everyone close to Jairus was looking at the outward appearance of things, and all they saw was a little girl who had just died. When the world or fellow church members say to you, the church is dead or is about to die, will you believe this outward appearance of things? Or will you listen to what Christ is telling you? Now, I know it's easy just listening to this podcast to think, oh, well, I'll listen to what Christ is telling me. But when there are so many voices affirming your church is dying or already dead, like all those mourners at Jairus' house, sometimes it's harder to hear Christ's voice. And if you do, it's not necessarily easy to stand up and openly agree with Christ because you might be laughed to scorn, just like Jesus was. But as I said, we do have a choice. Which voice are we going to listen to and follow? The healing presence of Christ is always available, willing, and ready to bring healing and resurrection to your church. Will you, and I mean your church as a whole, quit trying and relying on material remedies and go directly to Christ for the solution? If Jairus had not gone to Jesus, his daughter would not have been restored to life. 
If you choose not to turn to Christ, you're probably not going to see any resurrection of your church until you do. I've heard some very inspiring testimonies of churches who were struggling, but when they returned to focusing on following Christ in everything they did, things turned around. I've also heard of churches that, even with all their prayers and best efforts, they weren't able to hold on, and they closed. Now, every situation is different, and I have learned not to be judgmental of these kinds of situations because you never know the whole story of what's going on behind the scenes at a given church. And I'm going to say something that's kind of hard for me to say. In one way, I don't really want to say it, but there is some hard truth in it, and it does need to be said. There are times when a church has such a misconstrued idea of what church is that this negative concept or approach to church actually does need to die. They have lost sight of following Christ, and it's more about human opinions on what to do or not do. Think of what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus about putting off the old self as putting off a negative concept of church. This is in Ephesians 4, 22-24. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So let's paraphrase this, thinking of church. Put off your material approach to church, which is being corrupted by human will and opinions or outside worldly influences. Be renewed in the mental and spiritual attitudes about what your vision for church is and adopt a new spiritual approach to church, which reflects God's righteousness and holiness. If your church is governed by strong egos and personalities instead of humble listening and obedience to God, that approach to church does need to die. It needs to be put off. And it may actually mean that a church with that mindset will close. I believe with all my heart that Christ can always bring resurrection to a situation, no matter how bad things may seem to be. But if those in charge of a church, as well as the whole membership, refuse, consciously or unconsciously, to actually humble themselves to Christ, and I'm not just talking about saying those words, the church is going to fail sooner or later. And there are some churches that have been dead for a long time, even though they have an appearance of lots of members, plenty of programs and activities, but they don't really put obeying God and following Christ first. The book of Revelation rebukes this attitude in the letter to the church in Laodicea. Now, this is Jesus telling John what to write to this church. Think about getting a letter like this knowing it was dictated by Jesus. It's Revelation 3, 15 through 19, to the church in Laodicea. This is Jesus talking. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, 
blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. These are pretty strong words, but they are needed. This is what Jesus says the Holy Spirit was saying to this particular church. Now, if you want to get an idea of what the Spirit is saying to your church, read chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. It's a pretty good summary of the things churches were struggling with in the first century. And it's a pretty good picture of what churches are struggling with today. Now, not everything in those seven letters to the seven churches will apply to your church, but you might get some insights into what you're doing right and what needs to be healed. Now, let's come back to the story of Jairus' daughter. Right after Jesus restores her to life, he tells someone to bring her something to eat. When Christ brings resurrection to your church, don't be so spiritually up in the clouds that you don't do what meets the practical needs of the situation. Use your common sense. Now, if your church is struggling in one way or another, it could be not enough members, poor leadership, financial problems, divisiveness among your members, or who knows what else, I have a few questions for you to ponder as you're praying about what to do. First, have you, and I mean your church collectively, have you surrendered your own opinions and perspectives and open your hearts to the presence of the Holy Spirit? Have you heard the voice of God telling you what to do? Or are you trying to get your voice to be heard? Do you have enough moral courage to declare out loud to those affirming the demise of your church, our church is not dying, our church is not dead? Are you absorbed in the problems your church is struggling with to the degree you're not reaching out to the community? What if your whole church prayed collectively to bring healing and resolution to the biggest challenge in your neighborhood. You get your focus off of yourself and you're thinking about your neighbors. Is your church caught up in the mechanics of church activities? Are you really putting first things first? Another one of those seven letters in the book of Revelation, this time to the church in Ephesus, is pretty clear on this point. Jesus expressed gratitude and approval for what this church is doing well, but then he adds, this is Revelation 2, 4, and 5, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Whether it's mentioned directly or indirectly, the idea of repentance is one of the main themes in these seven letters to the churches. What does your church need to repent of? Have you made some mistakes that need to be corrected? Are there decisions you've made as a church or attitudes your church has had over the years that need to be corrected in order to follow Christ more fully? Are you holding on to the way you used to do things 50, 20, or even 5 years ago? 
Or are you asking Christ to show you the way for what the needs are today? Is there Christly love among all your members for everyone who comes to church? How do you feel about each other? And how do you receive a visitor who may be different from you? And this is a question we all need to give serious attention to, and it gets to the heart of the issue. Where did Jesus build his church? I love the dialogue Jesus has with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. He asks them who people think he is. The answers are all over the lot. Then he asks his disciples the same question, and Peter steps up to the plate. This is Matthew 16, 16 through 18. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. That sounds pretty promising, doesn't it? Now, this doesn't mean Jesus built his church on Peter as a person, although the name Peter does mean rock. It was Peter's recognition that Jesus was the Messiah, which is what empowered him to teach, preach, and heal with such spiritual authority. But there's something else that my friend Jason Elam pointed out when I interviewed him on the podcast a couple of years ago. It was episode 120, You Are Loved and Accepted by God. And I'll have that link in the show notes in case you'd like to listen to it. Jesus says to Peter that he didn't learn who Jesus was as the Messiah from any human being, but that God revealed it to him. Jason Elam points out that the rock Jesus is building his church on includes the fact that we all have a direct relationship with God. It's not just a pastor or church leader's who can hear God's voice and receive his revelations, we all can. That's part of the foundation of Jesus' church, that God speaks and reveals things to all of us. Do you and your church value the ability of each member to hear God's voice directly? Are you just trying to keep things going the way they are? Or do you really want your church to grow and prosper and help spread the good news of Christ? Let's look at how the early Christian church grew. Just imagine if you had been one of those approximately 120 people who were gathered together because of your love for Jesus on the day of Pentecost, which was just 10 days after Jesus had ascended. How would you be thinking and feeling? They were all together in a room, united in the wonder, the glory, and the awe of Jesus' very recent resurrection and ascension. They had seen him hanging on the cross and thought everything was over. Not just was Jesus dead, but all hopes of what he started were dead as well. But three days later, they saw him alive. Then for 40 days, he walked among them. If you had been there and seen Jesus alive, after being on the cross. How would that affect your attitude and sense of purpose? On the day of Pentecost, there was such a sense of unity in their awareness of who Jesus was as the Messiah 
and his victory over death. But there was also a sense of we need to share this message with the world. They weren't arguing over what color to paint the church building or who would serve on what committee. They were focused on Christ. And what was the result of this profound spiritual unity? The Holy Spirit descended on them, and they all started talking in other languages to the extent that people from other countries heard them in their own language. Peter took advantage of this opportunity to tell all these devout Jews about Jesus and how he fulfilled just a few of the Messianic prophecies. When he was done preaching, about 3,000 people were baptized and accepted Jesus as the Son of God, the promised Messiah. That's pretty amazing. It all happened so quickly. To the degree your church becomes conscious of the presence of the risen Christ, as these early Christians did, you will no longer be tempted to say or believe that your church is dead or about to die and nothing can be done to save it. You will hear and obey the voice of Christ to get up, just as Jairus' daughter did. When your church is united in and obedient to Christ, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. God will put words in your mouth and actions in your hands and feet. God will send you to the receptive heart and those in need. You'll meet people where they are, as Jesus did, and you'll speak a language their hearts can hear and understand, like Peter did. And God will bless your church abundantly. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you being here. This is a very important message, and if you know of a church that's struggling, please share this episode with them. If you have any questions or comments or ways that you've been praying about your church, I would love to hear from you. Please go to my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab in the menu bar, and I'll be in touch. I really look forward to hearing from you. If you're new to the podcast and haven't subscribed on my website, I encourage you to do so. Again, go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form and you're all set. And when you sign up, that puts you on my email list. I'll always send an email when a new episode comes out. And and when you sign up, I'll send you a copy of a prayer guide I put together called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you'd like to see the Bible verses that I quoted today, you can find those on the show notes page, along with the full transcript of today's episode go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 210. This is episode 210. Again, I want to thank you for being here today and all the ways you've been supportive of the podcast. I am so grateful for each one of you listening. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care and we'll see you next time. God bless.